Hello everyone. Welcome to this 29th edition of Clarity Chat podcast. I have with me Jay Thomas, VPIT Infran Operations at Words Innovation. Popularly known for their content platforms Daily Hunt and Josh. In today's session, we will talk about learning to be a confident leader from a hesitant introvert. The story of Daily Hunt contributing to the digital Bharat. Being a people leader and personal transformation. Jay believes in renovation and innovation lead to transformation. What a thought. This is the 29th episode of Clarity Chat podcast. And here comes an exciting chat with Jay. Welcome Jay. Did you know that 83% of technology implementations fail to achieve expected business outcomes? Well, managing technology is incredibly complex. IT covers all processes and everything IT does impacts people in some way. The function is only 3 decades old but changing at the fastest pace. Technology industry is highly profitable with intense marketing. Tech companies have the vast majority of the tech talent, not you. Clarity Chat purpose is rooted in helping you solve IT challenges for business success, to help you decode the complexity, to help you leverage partners effectively, to help you partner with business more effectively, to help you manage change better, to help you attract talent. You get this clarity via experiences of CIOs and business leaders. Shared informally and candidly over a cup of tea. Welcome to the Clarity Chat podcast. So tell us when you when you uh, asked a senior officer to park your car. Oh God, you picked up that story from our chat, Jagdish. <laughs> oh, that was very interesting. But um, you know, I think. Um, I would definitely start off saying that not to be tried at home uh, but I started driving at the age of when I was in fifth standard you know I think uh, started already at an early age I drove car to the school when I was in sixth um, you know so I was very short you know I mean I could not see the uh, the road very properly so one of those days I was trying to park the car at home um, so the car shed you know I tried to park once it didn't happen and then when I hit the wall and it happened thrice and then i got out of the car i was just wondering what to do i can't tell my parents about it but i saw a gentleman standing there he was wearing the dhoti mundu whatever you call it right so i asked him if he can uh, park the car and he gracefully said yes to it um and while he was parking the car is when my father came out of the house i think he almost fainted because the person whom i asked to park the car was the commissioner of exercise i mean he's probably the the biggest um you know the bureaucrat in the state you know and i asked him to park the car you know there's uh, what happened after that was a story to be told at a later point in time but you know uh, uh, probably the biggest learning curve in life is that you know if you need in help or if you need of help don't hesitate to ask whether it's a commissioner or it's your professor or it's your senior you must ask when you have doubt yeah, yeah no absolutely absolutely <laughs> but that was really interesting that you know and i think the important thing was that you didn't hesitate to ask you didn't hesitate to check who is and you know you just ask for help and that's i, right. I think very important uh, that you know we ask for help we may or may not get it but if you don't ask for help you will never get it so at least give it a okay. try better so uh, <laughs> thanks jay for that interesting start to our uh, session jay in mm-hmm. this first 
but we will look through the lens of your journey. So we'll keep it, uh, you know, a little fast paced. So please tell us briefly about your childhood. Uh, do you remember any incident that gave you an indication that you will end up in IT? Um, so please share your story up to your first job and, and some of cool. your learning. Yeah, sure. Um, so I, I grew up in Kerala, uh, in the southern part of Kerala, actually, in a group in initial in a very affluent family to begin with. But then um, we had our ups and downs over the journey. I studied all throughout in Malayalam medium. Uh, very proud about that. My focus was mostly on cricket and badminton, uh, less of studies. My um, During the younger days, uh, I wished to be into the hotel management industry and you know, I wanted to be a chef, but Destiny had something else. You know, I, I, after my schooling, I moved on to do my computer science. Uh, I finished that from Mangalore. I did my uh, post-graduation in science of technology and followed up with a few more courses from Purdue on BSS. I also did my diploma in leadership from Berkeley uh, Haskell of Business uh, in 2020. You know, I think um, I don't think I had any initial thoughts of being an IT guy at all. You know, I think that whole um, storyline came up when I was doing my PG of a class of 62. I was the only one selected from the campus, uh, from our class. You know, I think that probably gave me a sense that, you know, probably IT is something which I want to do. Uh, because I was chosen as a developer for a startup. You know, those days back in Chennai, you know, I was a startup developer. You know, I think over the years, you know, um, I, you know, at the, after the first two years at the startup industry, I moved to uh, Times of India, where I was uh, a DBA. I was working on OpenVMS and Ingress as a platform. I don't know if Ingress and OpenVS even exist today. I ended up, you know, spending about a few years there. I think that's where I started liking uh, for data. Eventually moved to Airtel. I spent most of my time during the early stages of Airtel. Uh, I was the 490th of, well, I think around that range was the employee number. Uh, there again, I was managing database and so on and so forth. But I think my, um, the, I think there were three events I can, if I can recall, uh, which probably made me realize that IT is probably what I want to do. And I think these are the stories from my three organizations uh, from the past. One was um, when I was in Airtel, um, and I think I was battling some health issues, and I wanted to quit my job, you know, and I, and I thought I should move back to Kerala. Uh, my father was running a business. I thought I'll join him, and he also encouraged me to come back, you know, come and join me. Why don't you come back and join me? But I was actually having a conversation with my then CIO. Uh, his name is Ubindra Kamath, and I think people at uh, Airtel would very fondly remember him. And um, uh, he spoke to me for a while when I told him my plans to quit. And he said, Jay, you are meant to be an eagle. Now, while we know the, uh, there are a couple of things which I know about eagle. eagle. Eagle can fly high, can hunt from a far away distance and so on and so forth. But there are two aspects of eagle which I was not very uh, clear about. One was eagle makes love in the air. Um, of course, that's a tough act. Uh, don't even try it at home on a lighter note. <laughs> uh, the second one was uh, when there is a storm. When all the birds go helter shelter, uh, eagle is the only bird which uses the storm to fly high. And I think it took me about six months to realize what he actually meant to tell it to me. You know, because when there is a problem in life, don't surrender to the problem, but use that opportunity to fly in life, right? I think the day I had that realization, there was no looking back in life, right? So that was my first learning 
uh, on that. And my second learning was again in Airtel, but I think that was something very, very phenomenal. So I was the part of a team which we used to write or encode uh, the CDRs, the call detail records. Uh, it was the early stages of, you know, how do we understand the CDR? How do we understand the calls and the call format and so on and so forth? So I was a part of the team which was working on, you know, um, transcoding that and identifying the call details. And uh, eventually we managed to do that using a system called mediation system. And I was driving the whole mediation system for Airtel and rolling it out across their geographies and so on and so forth. And that project gave Airtel millions of revenues because that was an untapped area. So you let's say you travel from Bombay to Bangalore. Whatever calls happens during the transit was never getting captured. So you were either get billed when you're in Bombay or you get billed when you're in uh, in Bangalore. But the transit spheres were never considered for billing. And that was a huge opportunity. So I think that's one I cracked and, you know, I was fairly recognized along with the team for doing that. So that gave me additional confidence. Yeah, I think this is what I really want to do in life and not really going back to the kitchen and cooking. Uh, but the third uh, one was something even more phenomenal. Um, I think that also opened up a lot of uh, insights for me is when I was, uh, so we were a part of Infosys and then Infosys started up this company called OnMobile. I was a part of that team, you know. So uh, I was driving this project called RBT, Ring Back Tone. So when you call me, you hear a music. So it's called Ring Back Tone. So OnMobile was the uh, the pioneer in the market, you know. So we were replacing a system, um, uh, one of the largest telcos in India. Um, and we were at Airtel Kerala. Uh, to replace the system. There are about a uh, few million customers they have, and then we planned everything, we executed it. Overnight, we changed the system. Next day morning at five o'clock, the calls are flooded to the call center because for every Airtel customer of Kerala, there is one song being played. Imagine the disaster, right? Everybody's getting the same call, right? I still remember I was pulled into the marketing head's room at seven o'clock in the morning. I have a marketing head, I have the tech head, that is the business head. People are, you know, looking at me and yelling at me and screaming at me to see to the fact that how do we fix the issue? Eventually we fix the issue. But I think um, I still remember uh, one story there where I was told that not to leave the city until I fix the problem. And we almost got the issue fixed and I was leaving for home. Anyways, in Kerala, a few hours I'll reach home. I took a cab in the evening at five o'clock. I was on the way back to Kerala and I got a call from the, the customer saying that, hey, where are you? I said, I'm going home. They said, you, we told you very clearly not to leave the city until you fix the problem entirely. I was, I was asked to come back and I came back to the office, worked over the weekend, fixed all the issues. But let me cut the long story short, Jagadish. The first thing which I ensured back at Versa, when we started Versa, is that hire those two people because I thought they were the smartest guys who had all the guts to pull me up and say that, Jay, this is not working. And those two guys are part of my team right now back at Versailles. But I think wow. the, the, one, of my, one of my biggest learning there was, um, it's a learning of uh, the table tennis, the game of table tennis, right? And I think uh, if you look at it, table tennis is all about, um, you know, it's not about two uh, smart or two best players playing together. It's all about two people who understand each other playing together. Two people who can understand one's strength and one's weakness, you know, so they come and play together. I think that's the, the unless you don't do that, you're not going to win the game, right? So I think in every project, you have to use the same philosophy. If I alone has to make a project, so that's not going to happen. You'll have to work as a team. My second learning from the TT was that you know, in a TT game, neither you can hit high nor you can hit low. If you hit high, the ball goes out of the table. 
if you hit low it's going to hit the net right so how do you find that balancing act of hitting the median that's holds good for every team every project you know you can't be a high flyer you know you'll have to hold it you should look at when where and how and make that move and my third thing was the best of all is when you hit a you when you miss a hit right there are times when you try to hit a smash and then you know it didn't happen what happens generally generally people look at the racket first you you name any game right cricket you see in sachin trying to hit a six and he get caught and you look at the bat first right why do you look at the bat it's not the bat to be blamed it's your shot the 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 way you attempted to hit actually make the difference i think another way to say is that don't blame the bat blame yourself right so if if your project has gone for a toss it's you to be blamed not the team to be blamed actually so i think these were some of the great learnings i had over the years with these companies made me realize that hey this is what i want to do in life and here i am on it oh awesome awesome in fact you know uh, you talked about table tennis i also play table tennis and you know i think before you start a match you know there's this knocking that you do right so you know like right. the forehand forehand backhand right. backhand chop 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 right yeah. and and i think and i think you develop a some sort of a tango during that uh, exactly here where Exactly. You're, where you're trying to not only assess each other's game, but also to go in tandem with each other, right? Correct. Okay. And 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 well, I think once the match starts, it gets competitive. But before the match starts, I'm sure like every two players, you know, they do the uh, they they do the tango on like you know the knocking. Yeah, absolutely. So very very absolutely. very well said. I think the other one was also you know, I can relate one of my own you know uh, coaching stories to it. so i recently uh, i i wrote about it on linkedin i recently got a, you know award in one of the tournaments which was a team tournament uh, you know i was given a mentor award and i was actually coaching my entire team on how to play better golf and one of the guys you know so in golf you have these uh, you know the big clubs which are the woods and uh, drivers and you have those you have the irons and all this guy wouldn't hit irons a good friend and uh, he was like no i can't hit irons i said the problem is not with the irons because without irons you don't have the game of golf the problem Absolutely. is here right so Very i think true. you know i kind of kept 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 at it with him and he finally now hits irons and and i think he had one of the most improved games and he got a he got an award for the most improved game after that but you are right it is it is it is all here and it's it's not in the racket or the or the all the golf uh, so so tell us like you know the story of daily hunt uh, how is it helping make a digital india you know more you know inclusive as a digital bharat and uh, you know what's and how does it connect personally to you plus um and i'll come back to some of the you know the technology related questions afterwards sure sure i'm going to go the reverse order how does it get connected to me um you know so i like you rightly said uh, i grew up back in kerala and you know i mean for us the access to some of the national daily was always a problem you know uh, the nearest times of india publication was in chennai uh, it takes the evening madras mail it comes to my hometown next day so i end up reading stale news mostly if i had to ever read a national daily um i think um you know if you understand the philosophy from where i'm coming in terms of why we wanted to do it actually right so uh today if you look at it uh, very interestingly um ja ja I, i just want to add to it you know so i studied yep. in almora i studied in almora which okay. was about like you know 7 8 hours away from delhi and okay. i remember every day evening after my college after school i used to go to the market 
to the paper uh, uh, shop and i would collect that morning's uh, times of india in the evening at 5 o'clock because it wouldn't come before that go ahead <laughs> i can I connect with them there we got connected actually so brilliant and i'm sure there are millions of people out there who have a very yeah. similar story to speak about actually right so uh, very interestingly if you look at in india the uh, english speaking users are just about or people who can read and write english is just about 120 million people rest all 1.3 out of the if you barring that 1.2 million or 120 million the rest is all uh, the regional language users right and our intent is how do we help get them connected to mainstream internet and help them consume content of their choice in their language i think that's the key how do i help them connect with uh, you know so if you look at it it, it as a platform you know i think we are i think what you rightly said how do we plug the digital divide in the country you know how we are actually driving towards the narrative of helping everyone get connected to internet right so today we have but 15 different languages on the platform we have about uh, 300 plus million people consuming the content every day on the platform right so there are close to about 500000 content getting ingested every day there are about 3 and a half to 4 million uh, content is consumed on a daily basis right and if i look at it from a platform standpoint there are about uh, 30 to 40 billion hits comes to the platform every day which is almost 30 to 40x of india's population so that's the kind of traffic which comes right and um, i think i think our secret sauce has been our personalization uh, we started our ai ml journey about uh, about 5 uh, years back where we you know there was a time where customer was important but i think uh, along with the customer being important i think it's also important to know the the content and the context so that you can serve the relevant content to the user right so just to cut the long story short uh, before our aiml journey our average spend time by the user was about 9 minutes on the platform today uh, users spend close to about 30 minutes on the platform every day you know which is probably bigger than some of the largest social media apps in india right you know i think lot many people so i think we had this you know even before uh, the internet was there right we we were serving content to the user uh, during our earlier version of our platforms and so on and so forth you know when we were were say when we were into telecom business we were actually serving content to the user over sms and usdcs and voice and so on and so forth right not many people know the fact that when android was in the early stages we had language support on symbian phones so we had hindi support on you know symbian phones those days actually right so i think it was uh, it was a it was a vision which we do had uh, in terms of serving the digital divide in india and helping people get connected right so uh, i'll just take one quote from what uh, nelson mandela once said so he said if you talk to somebody in a language which he understands it goes to his head but if you speak to him in his language it goes to his heart so for instance you and i are speaking if you speak to me in english it might go to my head but if you speak to me in malayalam it will go to my heart i think that's the philosophy in which we work and how do we see people get connected get consume get consume the content what they wanted not you sort of bombarding what you think is right i think that's the narrative in which we are working and we what we believe is in the next about 2 to 3 years india will become a, a billion internet connection when that actually happens this 120 will become 250 english users rest 750 is the regional language users and if we going to help them to get connected to internet and consume the content of their choice i think that's the vision 
and that's the narrative in which we are working yeah no absolutely you know even when i go home to my parents i still read the hindus you know uh, that always remains the language of choice actually and uh, yeah people who come to the internet if everything is in english i mean it's of no use to them so i mean that way i think you know making the whole internet inclusive you know giving people content in their own language uh, i mean that's a, that's a, that's a great uh, uh, story so yeah, i just think uh, jagdish bhai you know so if you look at it today 9 out of 10 users who come into mainstream internet is a and 9 out of 10 user who come into inst- internet is a video first user you know that is very clear you know these are the people who want content and these are the people who are regional language users they don't want english you know it's very very clear and i think what we've been doing is that how do we sort of address that digital gap using dailyand as a platform right so we get some of the best of the brains from the industry i mean today if you look at it we have at least uh, three or four different uh, co-founders or ex co-founders working for us as a part of the acquisition what we have done helping us to solve some of the real digital content problem right you know i mean i was just reading it somewhere that you know today india has about 25 million customers with credit card but the fact remains india has got 100 million customers with crypto so what to go say is, what to go to say is that the millennials knows what they wanted and you just have to channelize their energy get them on board and solve your real problem yeah, absolutely absolutely so uh, tell us some of some of the numbers how they look like at daily hunt in terms of you know the for the people who are who know it around here like you know about your storage about you know your number of vms yeah. some of yeah. those, some of those your brack sheet you know yeah yeah so uh, you know we we love building things ground up as an organization we always believed in that so we run close to what eight different private clouds you name any hypervisor we have it you name VMware, KVM, uh, Nutanix, uh, Kubernetes, we run it. We run a fairly large hyper poly cloud network, uh, which, which you can think of any large scale uh, public cloud provider. They are in our ecosystem. We run a fairly large uh, spine and leaf network, which can scale out either vertically or horizontally. Because when you manage a network where on an average, you're getting about 30, 40 billion hits a day, when you're managing a network where your bandwidth consumption on the public cache is in the in the tune of 8200 petabyte every month when you manage a network where your daily concurrent users is in multiple millions at any point in time you need a highly scalable infrastructure right so you know and then uh, what it also means is the amount of data what we generate right you know so we manage n- you know probably about 30 35 petabyte plus of data uh, that's the kind of storage what we run and then you run the large scale ai ml on top of it so you know we we have close to about 100 proprietary models of ai ml what we use uh, that runs across millions of data to sort of identify the user their likes their dislikes their affinity and so on and so forth because i don't know if, if you've used daily hunt we don't take any demographic users details of the user right we don't even ask you to log in right the only thing which you ask you to do is you know give your language choice you know the rest is all understood using the models which runs on the background you know so i can speak for the next one hour about the kind of complex system what we run but in a gist this is what we do yeah i think i think i think that's a, that's a very impressive brack sheet uh, jay and i'm sure you are a darling of all the technology uh, sellers <laughs> out there you are buying technology from everyone <laughs> so maybe you know so tell us like you know some 
you know as you were scaling up i know you would have scaled up like all the other you know like all the startups you would have scaled up really rapidly so tell us like some three uh, major inflection points you know where you were like gas for breath okay and 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 how you solved it maybe you know bring in uh, a flavor of like for example you know a new technology or a mm-hmm. partner uh yep. how you solved it along with the partner or you know like you know some talent so so give us a flavor of like you know the practical problem solving when you start gasping uh, in the scaling up absolutely yes so i think from the inception that's been a challenge always you know so if you look at it we grew up at an era where youtubes and you know facebooks and googles of the world already existed in terms of serving content to the user uh we scaled through that phase in life for the first 3 4 years but then you look at it there are people like uh, you know the real cash cow guys coming and launching their products so we had alibaba launching um and a uc news we had uh, tencent losing uh, launching uh, news talk you know so these are you know backed by heavy technology people money you name it what they have it you know, but then we had to still scale through an ecosystem where we don't get impacted by some of the existence of these guys you know the the good news is that they they're not there in the market anymore and we're still there and we still serve close to what so let's say if you look at it there are about 600 million uh, internet connection in india the daily hunt serves to about uh, 300 plus million and george serves to about 120 plus million so out of the 600 plus we are there in about 420 already right so i think ensuring the fact that uh, we have a steady scale infrastructure ensuring the fact that we have the right talent in ensuring the fact that we have the the right systems in place to ensure that we understand the user behavior we understand what content what customer is looking for you know i think that's the sort of journey we went through uh, during the the second phase of our life you know where we where we started building our the large scale data pipeline platform so we run a data pipeline platform which is more than about 500 odd servers you know and uh, and that's runs almost real time 24 by 7 right and seeing to the fact that we are churning all this data and serving the content to the user real time right so i think that was a very complex problem to solve uh, to begin with you know and how do you build a large content ecosystem because we have a large fairly large content ecosystem around us right from the publishers to the content creators to stringers so we have close to what 100,000 stringers who actually generate content for us on a daily basis actually right you know because there is a lack of content in the marketplace you know how do we create that uh, the the ecosystem the other challenge we battled was how do we get the right talent pool because that's that's a huge issue in india right so the fact remains you know while we are millions of engineers getting produced every year but then the the employability is always a concern right now because of our legacy uh, curriculums and so on so forth like when somebody uh, asked tim cook you know if if you know if you if you go and ask somebody in us do you have people with aiml capability you will find let's say a handful of people but if you go to china and ask do you have aiml people capability you will find a uh, find a stadium full of people just goes to say that you know they they've they understood it they've solved it at a at a university level at a school level at a college level to see to the fact that you create the right talent pool in place you know today i think uh, i'm sure my fellow cis who are joined here would reflect with me the fact that the dropout ratio is way too high you know i mean getting the right talent pool is difficult on top of it uh, retaining them is always a challenge 
and uh, yeah i think that was the second uh, or rather the third piece which we try to solve uh, by ensuring the fact that we get the best of the talent best of the you know the engineers who can come and solve problem for us like i said a while back you know we have about four or five uh, excellent working for us to solve the problems of today yeah so 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 i think i mean what i got was like you know one is the talent issue right getting the right talent and uh, so 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 tell us like you know how do you go about getting the right talent i mean how do you attract talent yeah i think you know uh, jagdish i think i've been in multiple forums where people talk about strategies of 3 years and 1 year and 5 year I, i get really bothered by that i think you know we don't even know what's going to happen one year later right i think what we need to really solve is the the real world problem the problem of today's right and 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 for that i think what we need is the challenge people with the right set of problems you know so w- something what we do very often in our companies we set up good boot camps we get a large pool of people to come together and solve a problem right and uh, that's how you excite people there's something which i do in my team is that we f- we call it a fedex day or we call it an autonomous day so we have one day in a year where i split my teams into multiple groups and ask them to identify the top 3 or 4 issues uh, within the organization or within the function and you have the entire day to solve it actually right at the end of the day we you know teams go and present it and you know and people get gratified and so on and so forth so you keep challenging people you know you and and when you're working on an ecosystem where you're managing close to about 400 million users even if one person that the user is impacted because of a problem the the volume and scale what you're talking is way yeah. too high way too high so i think it's all about asking them to solve the real world problem solve problems of today not talk about what what is going to happen one year and three year and these kids are not really interested to know what's going to happen three years from now right i think yeah. these are some of the ways we sort of solve the talent problem and ensure the fact that they retain and remain with sure and and i think yeah, you know the younger generation they are all looking for like you know some big problems to solve <laughs> correct exactly yeah. absolutely yeah. so anyway let's uh, let, let's go back to our audience and like you know just bring in some more faces out here so rajiv rajiv says great stories thanks rajiv for joining in you know we played golf a few days uh, back together great nice. time and uh, i have my ex colleague with me with here uh, siddharth hi siddharth uh, merry christmas to you too uh, yeah and uh, saurabh says that it was called the dark edition <laughs> the one you got in the evening yeah <laughs> yeah and uh, so i have a couple of questions also for you Mm-hmm. so uh, i think you know this this particular question is probably coming from you know the whole uh, facebook and twitter banning you know some politicians and all you know as a content platform if you are willing to can you touch upon the balance between censorship and free speech and mm-hmm. are you doing internally or from government regulations you know so uh, basically i think we've been very conscious about the fact that what kind of a content is served to which user right so when you talk about typically the uh the content related to uh, let's say politics we always ensure the fact that uh, these are going from branded content like the times and the other parts of the world so that we know these are well well reputed well researched content so you don't run into any kind of problems what we also do is we have a fairly large uh, learning capability which runs behind which looks at the the content score let's say if somebody is disliking if somebody is putting a wrong bad comment about a content 
you know, so there is an inline program which runs to see to the fact that either content is removed from the system or you sort of block the, the content provider. So it's, you know, because we talk about billions of content getting ingested on a, on a daily basis. We are an independent platform, you know, but what we always try to ensure and see to the fact that we are giving the right set of or the right news to the end user. And for that, like I said, you know, there are systems and processes and checks put in place to see to the fact that, you know, we're not sort of inviting any kind of concerns or quality issues from our end users. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think, I think, um, so what I, what, 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 what I understand is that like, you know, be responsible when it comes to sensitive content, Absolutely. like religion and politics and all, be Very sure correct. about the source, be sure about the source and you know, only, only promote the news, which comes from the right sources instead of Very the user generated content. Right. Very I think, correct. I think that's a, that's a very good thing. I'm, I hope Facebook is listening to you. <laughs> which is the bigger challenge iot era devices connectivity or multilingual people connect capacity building what should be the priority of it developers hey i am your podcast host jagdish belwal i had a rich career as cio at tata motors and ge now as an advisor i help organizations transform with technology technology is necessary for digital transformation but not sufficient so i help organizations with the rest of it leadership, strategy, culture, change management, etc. You can connect with me on LinkedIn and Twitter. For now, keep listening and don't forget to subscribe the podcast and do connect with me on LinkedIn. Just trying to rephrase that question. Um, what, what exactly meant by multilingual? I don't know if you have an option to sort of uh, ask him that question. But I think um, I... Go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, no, I, I, I come from Anura. I think I, I spoke uh, about a while back. I think connecting people, I mean, sort of today, if you look at it, I was reading it somewhere that, um, okay, let me try to rephrase this question actually, right? So it's very clear that you can't copy the Western world like how we did all these years. We had a lot of systems and portals and applications came up, exactly copied uh, what was there running in US and Europe and so on and so forth. But then, India is a country which is very diverse. India is a United States of UK, I would say, right? Where you travel from one state to another state, your language changes, your eating habits changes, your dialect changes, right? I think it's a very diverse country, right? And people connect very strongly over the languages, actually, right? And I think it's very clear on the fact that for you as IT leaders, as our entrepreneurs, I think it's very important that we must understand what our customers are looking for and how would love to connect. I think multilingual is, is the key. Um, I think that's the best way to get connected with the people. I, I don't see many people have sort of solved that problem at large scale, but they will hit that uh, barrier soon because you're reaching into a space where your urban users are already connected into mainstream internet. The growth is actually happening on the rural. And if you want to talk to them, the way forward is multilingual absolutely absolutely and maybe you know i can just add a, a bit of a flavor to it that you know the iot uh, is also like you know connecting things and uh, if i especially try to kind of find some connection points between multilingual and iot i can see for example agriculture right that's one use case i can think of you know where you, know, you get all this data about you know uh, from the sensors a lot of startups are working in the agriculture era, uh, arena today you know how do you convert all those insights into local language and then deliver to them so that's yeah. probably one connection point. It's but I think both are important yeah it's absolutely. a combination absolutely yeah. <clears throat> eventually you know all 
all solutions you know involve multiple technologies coming together and and delivering something that a user wants so uh, absolutely yes i think both are important we can't say one is more important than the other so um, jay we have lot to cover so uh, let me let me move on to the next one and you know uh, there was one question about the josh platform which i will which i will now take it to the rapid fire one because i know right. that can take a lot of our time right but i have a little more important agenda to cover here and okay. one of the things very close to my heart and i know close to your heart also is the people management okay so uh, instead of telling us you know how you manage people let me give the question a little bit of a twist okay tell me three incidences from your career where you learned something from your bosses okay which help you become a good people manager today tell me three incidents you're putting me in a spot jagdish <laughs> but yeah i think uh, a plenty of them a plenty of them actually i think um, uh, I, i let me start with a bad one right and while we all love to have good bosses in life uh, there's a lot of learning happens through them but i think at some point in time there is good to have bad bosses too you know so during my days at converges uh, quote and quote i had a i had a bad boss you know, i had a daughter reporting to him daughter line reporting to him somebody who had uh, literally no empathy um um i think you work 14 15 hours a day and you still grumpy and uh, not happy about what you do uh, i think uh, when i look back today i'm thankful that i had a boss like him because i learned the lessons what i should not do to my own team members right so i think that was my biggest learning having a bad boss so i think all of us should have a bad boss at some point in our life so that we know how we should actually manage our my another learning came from uh viru and umang at um, at versay uh, uh, you know i think uh, they are the co-founders of the company uh, very interestingly sumang has this i don't know who mang realizes this if he listening to me or if he's going to hear me later but i realize that umang has this philosophy called mvp uh, i don't know even he call it mvp but i call it mvp which is called make you important right you go to him at any point in time you talk about any problem you prob- you talk about an issue which you sort of created or issue which you're not able to solve he still makes you very important to the system you know but he will put the problem in a very subtle way that you don't feel it but at every conversation you feel that wow you know i mean i was wrong but he helped me to guide me through the right way without even making a noise about it you know so that's mvp and i think we must have a lot more people with mvp the the second learning i had through is that viru i think on my early days you know because the startup days you spending day in and day out at work i think he made me realize that you can move around a lot without making any progress you know you can you can work the entire day but you can't make any progress at all right i think it's very important for you to focus on you have to get into the problem not walk around the problem if there is a problem get into the problem and don't walk around the problem because you continue to walk around the problem you're going to spend the entire day without any conclusion right very very strong words you know i mean i think it's it's something which all of us should relate to right when there's a problem jump into it chime into it get into the root of it and fix it than walking around the problem right and the other learning which i had from is that have the intellectual honesty you must be honest enough to stand up and say that i goofed it up right not everybody uh, sort of shows that you know the uh, strength to do that but i think the kind of respect you will learn by doing that is multifold 
right? I think MYP, when there's a problem, you know, jump into it and fix the problem, not walk around the problem, but get into the problem. Third is the honesty. I think that's something which I learned from both my uh, immediate bosses at Worse. But one of my early learnings in life was with, and when I was in Airtel, my boss, that was my second stint after uh, Times of India, he gave us a lot of freedom and flexibility to work, right? He, he would he would tell us a problem to solve and then he will sort of watch from behind to see how we are doing it. And, and that was with everybody in the system. At some point in time, I realized the fact that I think he's a person who is, you put the organization chart upside down. So you're putting the pyramid down, technically, right? You're putting the entire team on the top and he's at the bottom. Normally, how it is? The, the boss on the top and the team down. It's like a, a pyramid, like tree structure, right? And you look up to the boss. Invariably, you look up to the boss. It was just the other way around he worked upon. He ensured the fact that all of us spoke to the business team, all of us spoke, spoke to the customer team, the technical team, and he chimed in, get in only when there is a problem. So he, he gave us a lot of accountability, a lot of freedom to work. I think these were some of the brilliant learnings I had over the years from various leaders, which is the put your own organization structure upside down and make your teams important. Make MYP a part of your life. Be intellectually honest. Get into the problem and not walk around the problem. I think these four things that made me who I am. Sure. And there was one about fighting for your people. I think uh, that was uh, very interesting. Thanks for reminding me. So, you know, so I spoke about solving. So Airtel had that uh, anybody who comes from Airtel during the early 2000s would agree with me that I think this is one of the most com- a company which had most amount of innovation and renovation at that point in time. We used to innovate like nuts, right? It was, I had the, uh, so I was managing the entire backend for Airtel. And uh, it was just about uh, nine months into the organization. I was nominated for the best employee award uh, for a couple of solving the critical things for the organization, including, maybe I'll touch upon that at a later point in time. But but the HR and the, the rest of the teams came back heavily saying that he's just, Nine months into the system, he's not eligible to be a winner or to get selected. But he fought for it. He fought till the death to see to the fact that I'm on stage. And I still remember that day. I knew it's not going to happen because I'm nine months. I was back uh, at the crowd having my drinks uh, is when my name was called up. And I was like, is that for real? You know, and uh, yeah, I think uh, thank you for reminding me that, you know, but then uh, there are bosses who fight till the death to see to the fact that uh, you are recognized for what you do. Yeah, yeah. No, absolutely. And, you know, this reminds me of my own. uh, This is also close to my heart because this is something I learned from my uh, early bosses. You know, both the things, you know, about, uh, you know, uh, this. uh, Okay, let let me take the later one first. Okay. So I remember uh, I was like, you know, I had that honesty to tell my boss that uh, I'm like, I'm applying for MBAs and I was a very critical resource at that time. And I said, you know, like, please get a backup so that, you know, like there's no disruption to the customers. I was in customer service and uh, this, this, this news happened to get out. And, you know, my promotion was like under discussion, uh, you know, should we promote him or not? And, and my boss actually used an argument to the HR and the big bosses. And they said that, listen, if you don't promote him, he will definitely leave. Hmm. Now, uh, he's only applying for MBA. If he doesn't get, you give him a promotion, he will stay here. Okay. Yeah. But if you don't promote him, we'll lose a good resource. And it actually happened. I didn't get into an MBA. I continued uh, with my organization. And, you know, because of that promotion, I could also, like, you know, get into the fast track and all of that. 
but yeah, yeah they fought really hard for me for at least 3 4 months to make sure that you know just because i am applying for mbn i have been honest about it i don't lose out mm-hmm. so very interesting very interesting uh, jay so jay now let's come to you know one of the most power packed sections of our uh, discussion which is innovation with renovation <laughs> okay yeah. so uh, so tell us uh, your take on this innovation and renovation and you know i think you have used it for personal transformation you have used it in your professional uh, uh, arena so let's just start with the professional one about workly uh, uh, experience but uh, first tell us about the philosophy of renovation and innovation yeah i think in 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 short it goes to say to the fact that uh, there are enough resources there are enough opportunity within the organization that you just have to channelize it right you just have to identify your problem statement well then you have a solution in place more often i think we get carried away by the buzzwords in the market i mean it could be transformation it could be uh, ai ml and so on so forth you know more often i've seen companies embrace these technologies and don't even know how to use it because you don't have data right or you you embrace these technologies and you realize the fact that you don't have customers to use it actually right you may not have to do that you just have to probably and i'll i'll tell you one classic example uh, when we were in etel you know i think like i said they were in the peak of both innovation and renovation at some point now we want to cut down on the cost of shipping the bills so those days you know you used to get this physical bills shipped in an envelope you know they want to cut the cost now how do we cut the cost actually right and and i still remember we were given a weeks time to sort of ideate and see how do you solve the problem people came back with that solution this solution this one team came with a very innovative cool way of doing it so those days we had this long envelope and it is the glue is from one end to the other right what the city is that we're not going to do that we're going to make the tip like a corn right the envelope you fold it like a corn and you lose the gum only at the edge so avoiding putting the gum from one end to the other rather you will fold it and make it like a corn and in the edge you lose use the gum right it's a very simple thing and I, i don't know if i recall i think it was close to about a 60 million sort of an impact to business at large you know very simple right you know you could have engaged with uh, one of those high paying consulting companies who will come back with some 10 different ideas you don't have to all you have to do is sit in one corner thing how do i differently right you know if i have to just connect that story to uh, at, at a people level i mean you can pick on any 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 um, any subject and you will find ways to solve it actually right like for instance um, uh, when i was studying at berkeley so we have this 360 degree review with a professor and i strongly encourage if you're not done it please go and do that you know you don't have to be in berkeley to do it you can do it yourself you know and i given everybody's potentially everybody's name for that uh, you know feedback my my peers my juniors my seniors my wife i wanted feedback from everyone and and he will sort the, of so that's the 360 degree feedback that's the 360 you get feedback from everyone right and when the professor speaks to you he don't tell the names who given what feedback but he sort of uh, create he creates a pivot out of it and tell you you know what's working and what's not working and so on and so forth right one of my hard feedback from my team was that my juniors felt the fact that i was not talking enough to them i was spending more time with my customers my partners and my stakeholders my peers felt the fact that i'm not asking hard questions to them right i think it was such a insightful um, 
feedback back to me you know i thought i was doing a great job but there is a bunch of people who are my peers and my juniors are not happy with what i do right what i do today uh, jagdish is that i ensure that i speak to one engineer per day no matter what right uh, it's not the common group chats and stuff like that but i block a time with him and i speak to him speak to him or her you know who are is available every day almost every day i see to the fact that simple thing right it's just that that perception they had in mind that you know i mean it's not a perception because i was operating that way because my job demanded to be more externally focusing than internally focusing actually right but i think it's a very small way of um, renovating the way you operate right and you have the entire team with you and you see the magic which is going to come out of it actually right uh, I, i just tell okay. one story to that you know i think that's very close to my heart and is a it's a uh, it's a very uh, interesting story from kerala i heard right one of those late nights a, a man walks into a priest's house and said priest i want to do a confession and priest said you know son it's too late in the night why don't you come tomorrow morning he pleaded he pleaded for a while can you please do it he said no no you come in the morning it's late in the night and the next day morning priest was woken up uh, with the news that there is a kid or a or a man who died in the valley right and people can't identify who is that man and somebody brought a picture of that man and priest realized that it's the same guy who visited him yesterday night you know the the thing it struck him is that had i spent that probably 10 minutes with him he probably would have been alive today so it's exactly like that in our day to day life with our teams right if probably if you spend that 10 minutes with him a lot of difference can happen including probably the retention of that employee who probably wanted to quit and go probably not happy with the way he's operating or with his manager and so on and so forth but that 10 minutes of chat can make wonders so i think that was my serious learning from here so what i'm trying to say is that you don't have to innovate with a lot of great ideas and stuff like that you can quickly renovate the way you operate and see to the fact that there are miracles there are brilliant outcomes coming out of the way you operate so jay i just realized that we are running out of time but i still have a lot uh, for you and i also realize that it's a christmas evening and uh, you know you may have family plans so i hope you are okay to extend for about like another 10 minutes or so uh, i'm good i'm really good okay, okay. and uh, i also take the permission of my audience i wish i could run a survey on you guys but that's okay i know you guys have been very very patient with us uh, we generally overrun a few minutes here and there so yeah. jay let's let's try to go faster because you know we we got a little bit more to cover so Yeah, you have, uh, you know, you have been really, uh, you know, an example of personal transformation. You know, people who know you, you know, when I was in the Bangalore CIO uh, club, you know, I've seen some of those stories like personally. So tell us, like, you know, three uh, stories of personal transformation where you have really, you know, broken the eggshell and like, you know, come out as a chicken. <laughs> uh, brilliant. So I think um, yeah I think if I have to pick up my favorite is my weight loss journey so I was about 132 kgs at some point in time and I wanted to you know lose pounds and stuff like that you know I picked up running and so on and so forth multiple factors you know you run in the morning you come back you stand on the weighing machine usual stuff and you realize the fact that there are days your weight goes up there are days days your weight comes down and you are getting more disappointed over a period of time right is when i realized that you must stop focusing on your goal but you should focus on your behavior stop focusing on your goals the more you focus on your goals the more disappointed you're going to be the day i stop focusing on my goal which is weight loss 
and started focusing on my behavior, which is my diet, my eating, my sleep pattern. Things started falling in place, right? From 132 kgs, I could bring it down to 85 or a period of. It took me about six years. Uh, I'm still obese, uh, but then uh, that's one one transformation I could really, really do, which I'm very proud about. There is another story which I can uh, really connect is um, I have severe. I'm scared of heights, um, and I have severe motion sickness. You know, when we go out on family holidays, I'm the spoiled spot because I don't get into these roller coasters and you know giant wheels and stuff like that. And family is upset that you know you're on vacation. You know, come and join us. Actually, now I want to kill my fear. Um, I started flying uh, uh, microlight planes. Um, you know, you have it in Jaipur, very nearby. Wasn't good enough for me to kill my fear. Is when I decided to do something called a tandem jump, which is you're jumping from eighteen thousand feet. It's a free fall. You know, so we are falling it. 240 kilometers per hour. You know, it's it's a long story, but you know, I can say that when I was standing at the edge of the flight at 18,000 feet, when I looked down, first thing came to my mind is, what am I even doing here? You know, but believe me, there are times in life, if you want to get something which you never had, you must do things which you never did in life. You know, you, we all aspire to have differences in life. We all aspire to have the great things in life, but if you want to achieve them. You have to do things differently, you know. So for me to kill that fear was one was first, you know, trying this flying, flying, flying the plane. But jumping at eighteen thousand feet was a game changer for me, right? The third one I can even think is, um, you know, I mean, I had a massive battle with language. You know, I always struggled with my language because grew up in Kerala, studied in Malayalam medium. Um, you know, at, at some point in time, I wanted to write. And I, I wrote this article and sent to a, a dear friend of mine, and I was very confident that it's going to get listed. Uh, just about a week later, I was I got a note saying that um, no, uh, your article has been rejected. Took it as a challenge. Now I write um, at least an article every quarter, if possible, and I published on LinkedIn and few other places, which is mostly my personal life stories and so on and so forth. But I think you know what, uh, Jagdish Bhai, I think uh, what I've realized in the journey is. If you want to soar in life, there is always a crushing. You get crushed, then only you soar in life, right? So, for instance, I'll tell you: you look at how an eaglet flies, right? An eagle, they are in the valley. The mother eagle will come and push the eaglet down. In the process of falling, which is the crushing, the eaglet flaps his wings and it flies up and it soars, right? It's a crushing followed by a soaring. Or when you ask a grape, when is a grape at the finest form? When it is a wine. Right, the more you crush the grape, the better the wine it is. So, it, for all of us, the more the crush what we go through. Some of us scrub, some of us complain, but believe me, it is for a soaring, you know. And you're going to fly in life. I think those are some of the, and I lot of stories talk, but I think these are some of the two three stories which I can really reflect on. No, no, absolutely. The, the last one I really loved because it's a Saturday evening, it's a Christmas <laughs> evening, family time, and you know, you're, you're, I, I am sure you and I both are looking for some more some wine at this point. Absolutely. <laughs> you know, absolutely. as the sun is going down. <laughs> but I think I think amazing stories uh, on a serious note, uh, Jeff. I mean, you know, coming from one thirty to eighty five, I don't know how many people are able to do it. But uh, the the more important thing is how do you do that? It is like you know focus on the behaviors. You know, okay. do the small things, and behavior yeah. is what is actually doing things consistently, right? So you know, be consistent about whatever you are doing, and 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 just be at it. You know, again, other thing like you know, if you 
haven't if you don't do something different how will you achieve something different and uh, mm. i can again like correlate it to you know i was playing with playing golf with someone today and i was telling him the story of uh, you know someone whose game really improved after i gave him some tips but you know there are other people who haven't been able to do that just because you know we always we feel uncomfortable when we change our technique right and initially you know we go to a a sort of uh, something getting worse before it gets better and mm. i think if you are able to write that out with confidence and trust you know that is when and then you develop the new habits right doing the uncomfortable so mm. uh, so that that's great again you know i'm like again conscious of time so let me ask you this let let this be a rapid fire one okay so mm-hmm. jay you shared you shared with me that you know you were an introvert and uh, i was like yeah you know i i was also an introvert and you know when two people see us talking about being introvert they'll say they'll actually laugh at us jay <laughs> introvert jagdish introvert but yeah but i think i think both of us have you know overcome the the challenge of introversion so tell us your story quickly on how you how you did that and both intellectually as well as emotionally i don't know how i did that actually but you know i think where i got the confidence was over my researches actually you know so during our infosys days uh we have this eq test in the organization and i always fall in the bottom of the pyramid and i was upset about the fact that i am at the bottom of the pyramid but the day i got to know that even narana murthy falls into the same bracket is when i felt wow okay not bad it's not me alone who is there in the bracket but i think i've done a quite a bit of research around it and i realized that the fact that people like barack obamas and bill gates of the world are hardcore introvert you know in fact they say barack obama when when you know uh, even he ran for the presidency you know his support was sparse you know uh, but what set him different from others was his communication he was a very strong communicator you know um and if you if you if you if, if you read some of the articles um, written by his teammates or that team which worked on the election right they said he was probably one of the best sharpest listener you know and he was very attentive to people's needs actually right i think i i sort of gain energy from within whereas an extrovert gain energy from uh, the people around them right so they are very spontaneous and they are fast to react i don't do that you know and I, sometimes i feel i'm losing out on that journey but i realize the fact that when you are you know so when i'm when i'm decisive um, i know that i've sort of evaluated all the pros and cons it may be sort of late in the value chain but i know exactly what i'm talking so you tend to react in an extrovert world you tend to react a friend and you release a fact that don't know you know there there are areas of improvement and so on and so forth you know so i think i sort of when i release the fact that introversion is not a handicap but it's actually a strength for you to sort of be remain mute hear your team hear their concerns hear the thoughts and ideas and be decisive when the time comes you know i think um i think that exactly required in a leader whether you are an extrovert or an introvert but for me it worked brilliantly well and i think uh, i wouldn't say successful but i was effective i believe successful is there consequence of being effective the more Absolutely. effective you are more successful you will become right so don't run behind success but try to be an effective leader doesn't matter you're an introvert success will come out of it sure no i think i think i think that's uh, interesting that you know you try to address it intellectually as well and not really like you know brood over it in a way but i think you know here's a shout out to all our listeners audience you know who think that they are introverts and therefore you know they are not successful or be effective 
you know, take some uh, uh, encouragement from what uh, Jay just shared with us. Bill Gates is an introvert. Narendra Modi is an introvert. Being introvert makes you a good listener. Uh, it 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 makes you a sponge for information, which helps you take uh, you know uh, decisive actions. So all the good things. So uh, Jay, uh, now we are like you know down to the last section, which is the rapid fire and uh, and and the reverse question. So, but before that, I want to bring in some comments from uh, from our uh, friends here and some questions. So, this one, uh, if you are not able to answer it, just give it a pass. But if you have a point of view, then like you know, make it a rapid fire. Yeah, and uh, there's a question that this is something that I can answer. Shrina uh, is asking most founder or his immediate team has the passion to solve a problem and contribute. How do you build the same interest and passion in the people who join you through the growth? I can answer that question to you because yeah. Yeah. I know you have an answer. Uh, yeah. But let me let me also uh, give my uh, thoughts. You know, you will always have that situation that you know started small. You had a core team which you know kind of built the strategies which scaled up, and you will get you know more people added to the team. Uh, I think uh, you also need to have a large heart to be more inclusive. And let that core team also expand, and you know, make people feel involved, make people feel trusted. And you know, you know, that's how that's how you build a a larger, you know, caravan, you know, which kind of goes together. Okay. Can I just add to that, Jagdish uh, uh, Bhai? Yeah, please. Uh, please. Thing is that I think uh, I think it's very important that uh, you also get to. I mean, there are there are. There are areas of information which you are not probably may not be exposed to, which comes from your partner ecosystem. I think there is a clear need to work with the partner ecosystem. I mean, I and I, I, I in, in, and I say this in short, uh, like the faith comes from scripture. I think your knowledge also comes from the larger partner ecosystem whom we work with. And I'm very proud about the fact that not everything I knew uh, from my college days or from my uh, the professional journey, I think a lot happens through collaboration with your larger good partner ecosystem Absolutely. so while we look at focusing on building your teams but i think it's also important that you get the right partner in place in your journey to grow in life yeah and 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 i think it has been also a theme in our clarity chats that you know make uh, partners feel part of your team you know yeah. trust them uh, gain their trust and you know be fair to them uh, and and i think a lot of those stories have been there no, and then they really feel part of the movement that you are in, right? And and they they start proactively. So uh, let me uh, let me go forward. Sudhir Mehani says, "Jay, good to hear you. Well connected. Great stories with good learnings." And thank uh, you, Sudhir. Bye. Then we have. By Shinath. the way, uh, just intervene. Uh, the looking at the organization upside down is what Sudhir Mehani taught me. Oh wow, that's awesome. That's awesome. That's awesome. We have Srinath saying great thoughts on personal transformation, enjoying the experience of hearing you folks. And uh, yeah, I think I think I think I think we are down to our last uh, rapid fire. So Jay, again a warning to you. Let's make it a really rapid fire. Okay, okay. Yeah. So Jay, three places where we could find you if your life had taken alternate turns. Three places potentially in a hotel, uh, in the back back office, or in the kitchen cooking. I could be on a on a on a stage with a band playing guitar and potentially uh, being in the cover of a book with my yeah with my first book probably okay 
no that's great so those are the alternative carriers where the world lost out on jay <laughs> okay so jay um, it was really interesting so one story on reading the fine print ah that's interesting actually so i think uh, i'm going to take a minute to talk about this actually yeah. um yeah i think there is a too much of data overload we live with we all live with actually right just to quickly if you look at it, i think india at large generates close to about 400 petabyte of data every day which is as good as 615 million pages of a standard book so that's the amount of data we generate every day so how do you um, how do you identify the right data for you to identify if your system is working well you know out of all your systems there's a story which i really relate to there's a, there's a bank called van halen uh, i grew up in era when van halen jimmy hendrix and all were you know blooming um, so when van halen goes on these tours with the with the company they sign up for the event management they in in the 36 page uh, contract in the 23rd page there is a line item says that in the green room they wanted a bowl full of m&m uh, chocolates but in that bowl there should not be any brown m&m right and every time when they go they first thing they look at is the green room is there a bowl if there is m&m in that and if there is a brown m&m or if there is no bowl at all which means to say that they have not read the contract properly you know and if even if there is one brown mnm which also goes to say that you not read the contract properly i think in our world we need to identify that one brown mnm in our life for the amount of data overload what we have if we can identify that one mnm in your business it could be within your system let's say if i run infrastructure within the network within the database within the app layer and so on and so forth i think that could be one indicator for you to figure it out what's working and not working you know than having that handful of dashboards and data sets and you know stuff like that to figure out what's actually happening in your system so that reminds me of one of my own experiences you know in one of our contracts uh you know the 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 partner actually replaced from the draft the draft had like the upgrades were part of you know their responsibility and they replaced it with updates are part of our responsibility so you know even if you do a cursory look you will probably miss it okay but i mean the responsibility changes completely updates versus upgrades so same number of letters yeah absolutely <laughs> okay so jay uh, you know i know you are pretty active in the cio club and you know you you meet a lot of cios so what are the three types of cios aap mera jaan leke jayega aaj ha naam mat bataiye just tell the type i know so you know what uh, jagdish bhai i think i i come from a developer to a database to an operations guy to a, uh, a cio so uh, it's a it's a tough battle for me always actually you know and i i there are there is a time i think i i need to sort of improve myself every day uh, to stay relevant within the community itself but what i've seen within the community largely is there are three types of cios you know the first set of cio is the the paranoid cios uh, i'm sorry if i am Uh, hurting someone but then these are the guys who don't make any changes to the system um they live with it soon to realize that uh, they have become a kodak moment either from the industry from the community at large right so that's the first set of cios the the second set of cios are the the ones they are called the the polyana cios um they are they goes they go by the buzzword you know what's happening in the market oh they saying oh cloud is important move everything to cloud and 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 realize that oh no you know it shouldn't have happened and they just go by what the fellow cios or the fellow community or the uh, the marketplace speaks about 
and too soon to realize that it's not really working in their favor. The third one is the the pragmatic CIOs, the the ones which are more sensible, the ones which are more outcome driven, the ones which look at the ROI, understand the business, and take those initiatives to see to the fact that it makes sense for their business at large, right? So I sort of classify. Uh, CIOs into these three buckets: the the paranoid ones, the Pollyanna ones, and the pragmatic ones. Don't ask me where I belong to. <laughs> no, I'm sure you belong to the pragmatic one. But I I I just want to relate to it. You know, I I used to be Pollyanna. Okay, okay. before people think that you know, like you know, where are where are others? Where are they? We all have tendency to go after the buzzword. You know, so when the IoT was new, you know, like I was. I started like some IoT POCs and I started forming a point of view on IoT, assigned somebody. And there was this fresh MBA, you know, who like had, who was oblivious to like, you know, that CIOs is a very powerful guy and all that, you know, and like way down the line, this guy had the guts to ask me, sir, you know, why are we doing IoT? And that kind of like was like, you know, wake up ting tong for me. Yeah. And uh, I said, okay, yeah, why don't we find out together? Okay. Just trying to salvage the situation. And I had this big, thick, uh, you know, annual report of the company, which had a lot more details, okay, than yeah. the ones that shareholders get. And I said, okay, you know, why don't we get this and start looking at some of the numbers. And, uh, you know, when we looked at those numbers, each of the numbers that we looked at, which could be impacted by IoT, wasn't going in hundreds of crores. Okay? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, 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 so exactly what was happening was that this Pollyanna kind of tendency comes from your own awareness of the situation. I knew that, you know, it could make a big difference in manufacturing. But, you know, for somebody uh, watching me, I have to build some communication layer on it. Like, for example, you know, this is where it will make the impact. And that feedback came from, you know, a PGT, a fresh MBA, you know, who had the dare to call out that why are we doing it? So, wow. yes. And then, you know, we need to keep our eyes open. As Pollyanna, all of us have Pollyanna tendencies. Absolutely. If we can watch out for those feedback mechanisms, you know, when people ask why are you doing it and not feel offended, I think I think that's when you keep coming back to the pragmatism part. Of it. Right. Okay. Right. Yeah. So the big one. Uh, so another one. Uh, today is Christmas Day. Uh, one message that to everyone that can help them improve as humans and professionals. Jay. I think I'll take a. I can pick up a story uh, if you may allow. Check uh, this by sure. I. I drew a lot of inspiration from this person called Medici Varghese, and I strongly encourage you to go and read about her. Medici Varghese was a student at CMZ Bellur College a few decades back. A bright young girl, she was on a college trip, and the bus had toppled into a uh, a pond. And in the in, in the whole process, she hurted herself, and she remained a paraplegic. She was on the bed, she was on the wheelchair, but she was very persistent on the fact that she wanted to come back to work or come back to college, right? She went back to college, but had finding it difficult to do a routine stuff because of the uh, because of the accident, right? To cut the long story short, you know, I mean, I just want to say that uh, over the four years, uh, she not only passed out of the college, but she was a rank holder. And few years later, she became the head of the department in the same college, right? Somebody who is paraplegic on a wheelchair, remaining or becoming a head of the department is very unheard of right and when she was given a, asked to give a testimony um, to the world she said thank you god for making me a paraplegic if you wouldn't have made me a paraplegic i wouldn't have fought enough to become a rank holder 
if you wouldn't have made me a paraplegic i wouldn't have fought enough to become a head of the department right so all of us go through challenges in life all of us have pain but that pain is for a better tomorrow i think we just have to realize that fact that we go through right now is not the end of it but then how do you like a eagle how do you fly high not surrendering to your comfort zone not surrendering to your problems but to fly high and being big i think that's where the destiny is written so uh, i think i drive a lot of motivation from medici workers and i sort of encourage all of you to say that pain is short lived but you are there for a larger purpose and goal in life uh, no absolutely this also reminds me two things actually two insights uh, from here one is that you know look at everything from a uh, from the lens of gratefulness right that you know even though you're facing a challenge or you don't have something there's so many things you have i remember one of the tennis champions you know who was fighting with cancer and somebody asked me somebody asked him why uh, why do you think it, uh, you had to go through it? and he was like why me why not me i mean you yeah. know who who in life gets the chance to like you know go on top of the you know tennis world and 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 all of that so the reason i was chosen to be that is probably uh, you know balances out why i was chosen to have cancer you know so absolutely so so it's yeah. always looking at the positive part of life what you have and not really like you know brooding about what you don't have okay so so now the big announcement tell her tell us tell our audience the, the next big exciting upcoming event in your life march i think there are quite a few there are quite a few but i think i'm quite looking forward to my first book i started writing sometime back i think it's a it's a it's it's going to be it's going to be slightly different it's going to be mostly my learnings uh, what i've gone through what i've learned over the years and i'm looking at launching this book towards uh, the second quarter of next year i think that's something which i'm really looking forward and working heavily on and uh, you know i want to bring in somebody it's like it's like, it's a delight to have this guy here so i have anthony korean uh, do you know him uh, name sounds very familiar to me though okay so 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 he's my friend actually and uh, he's actually my batchmate from tata motors and uh, you nice. know when you were talking about mary c vergis you know anthony is uh, you know a sort of similar example so he lost his leg when uh, he was one year one and a half years into the job and uh, mm-hmm. you know i think the way he has come up after that you know he drives a vehicle without assistance yeah. and uh, you know he leads a normal life has three uh, girls has faced lot many more challenges in life i think his spirit is something that is a personal motivation and inspiration for me love i'm really looking forward to meeting anthony someday but i got goosebumps listening yeah. to that amazing what a story yeah i have actually you know i uh, when when i was in chennai i actually made sure that you know tony comes and tony along with his family comes and meets us and he yeah. narrated his story uh, you know to uh, my kids and i just wanted them to hear that story so thanks tony <laughs> so uh and now uh, down to the last one the reverse question from uh, you to me uh, jay i have been asking you all the questions so you should get a chance to get back at me <laughs> absolutely absolutely i think uh, i think uh, most of the ciios battle in life is to sort of how do you keep balance the team balance because in your team there are very strong links and there are very weak links but they come very important based on the sign and demand uh, it's like Uh, and you know what i'm saying right my question is how do you ensure the fact that they both shine when the time comes so i would i would really you know i have been i always you know tend to model and remodel my organization i've tended to when i had a large organization and uh, 
the 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 effort is always two pronged one is to you know it's it always is a jigsaw puzzle okay and this jigsaw puzzle is not constant it keeps changing because your environment is changing you know your your business challenges are changing your operational challenges are changing and uh, and then you know you see that you know the gaps started emerging between a tightly fit team and that's when you start basically looking at people as a set of capabilities and then looking at you know what are those places where you require the capabilities and you know what are the capabilities and then you know you start like you know doing the iterations on that on 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 the fitment and you know eventually you are able to fit and wherever there are like you know the fits are not there or some new areas are emerging then you have to hire new talent right? that is one that is one way to look at it as a jigsaw puzzle the second is you know i have very strong uh, you know um, feelings of empathy you know where which basically i have a one personal conviction that no one comes to office to screw up that means everyone is trying to do a good job and if they are not effective that means something is missing either there's a personal capability issue or there's a training issue or you know it's a you know a round peg in a square hole or vice versa okay and therefore it's my job as a manager i take accountability and ownership as a manager to make sure that you know my team becomes the most effective that means i have to give them the right roles as per their capability for them to shine sometimes very rarely it is also uh, the other issue people are so much in the comfort zone that they won't, don't want to come out there is an organization culture problem you know where they think that you know chalta hai and that's the time like, I, i i i i would sort of expose them to the heat i would give them some challenging assignment and i would challenge them to like you know really rise up to the occasion and i'll also make it very clear to them that hey this is your testing moment you know otherwise ship up or ship out so multiple strategies not uh, not just one understood thank you wow what a spellbinding and spirited discussion with jay i hope you all loved it as much as i did to listen to more such power packed conversations do subscribe to the clarity chat podcast it's available on all major podcasting platforms in our next podcast i will host satish rao ceo at farmanish india the largest privately held perfume and taste company he is also an author of i can fly watch out for our next clarity chat podcast with satish